an important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. In my 10th episode, it is my pleasure to interview Miles Russell. Miles is an assistant attorney general working in Washington state, and during his time at law school, Miles uh, got as heavy as 465 pounds, which led him to discover the ketogenic diet proceeding to lose 260 pounds, which is 117 kilos for anyone from Australia, over the next five years. At a low of 202 pounds and 6 foot 5 inches tall, today he focuses on maintenance and weightlifting and currently sits at around 215 to 225 pounds at his maintenance. He has beaten all the statistics and kept the weight off, continuing to thrive on keto. Outside of being an assistant attorney general, he enjoys hiking, cycling, photography, and traveling domestically and abroad whenever possible. In this podcast, we discuss how his life changed from when he was at his heaviest to when he was at his lightest and some of the social adjustments that came along with it. Uh, We also discuss the highlights and the failures along his five-year journey and how keto doesn't have to involve everyone around you. Uh, We also chat about some of his idols in the ketogenic community and how uh, motivation can come from not only the people in your direct surroundings, but also from mentors online. Uh, He is such a well-spoken guy with a great attitude towards the ketogenic diet So this interview is an easy one to listen to, especially uh, because he gives some fantastic tips towards the end on what advice he might have given someone like himself who is just starting out. So please welcome Miles Russell. Miles, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a great, uh, nice, warm day here in Washington State. I think it's um, the afternoon here. I think it's probably the morning where you are. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, what is it? nine o'clock in the morning for me so uh it's a little bit cooler here as well it's it's around 16 or 17 degrees celsius now i don't know what that is in fahrenheit i'm not very good at converting those low temperatures i'm good at converting oven temperatures but that's about it (laughs) (laughs) um so i i always love starting these podcasts with uh you know a little uh, personal story, something that people can get to know you very quickly. Uh, I guess it's a little bit like an icebreaker, but we don't necessarily need an icebreaker because we've been talking a lot before the podcast, which was so awesome. Um, but for everyone who's listening and has just started listening now, you love to travel and you know some of the best stories from travel can also be some of the, the worst stories when they're currently happening. So uh, maybe can you tell the people who are listening to this podcast about your recent trip to Italy, in particular Florence. Yeah. So, I mean, I love to travel. Um, and it's something that's like a lifelong goal for me. Um, and I first went to Europe um, during college to study abroad. And I actually just came back from Ireland for my mom. We went there for her 60th birthday. But recently I went to Italy with my girlfriend. And um, I don't know about you or anyone listening, but I'm a, a very much an over planner, over prepper. I love spreadsheets. I love like, you know, having all the information and like researching thing, everything to death. Um, and some people like to kind of as they go, but I like to know exactly all the information. And so I planned this entire trip to Italy um, kind of to like show my girlfriend, Hey, we're going to have a great trip and I can plan it all, you know, kind of impress her maybe and put the pressure on myself. And, and so we're in Florence and on the last day we wanted to go um, to this church uh, that was on the other side of the river in the neighborhood called, I think, Altrarno. Um, I'm probably pronouncing that horribly wrong, but it's the south part of Florence. It's away from where most of the tourist attractions are. And we had a dinner reservation at a very fancy restaurant. It was kind of our romantic, fancy night in Florence. 
And we um, were trying to figure out if we could take a bus back across the river to where we were staying to kind of make it all work time-wise. And I was looking online with my phone and my guidebook and was saying about, oh, watch out for the buses in Florence because you need to pay and you can't buy a ticket on board and you can only buy tickets at certain places. And if you don't pay, you can get a fine. And it's, but otherwise it's the honor system. And I, you know, I'm familiar with the honor system in other countries. And so we were waiting for, we couldn't find a bus ticket anywhere. Um, um, there's like a newsstand and where we're, we're allegedly could buy the tickets. And I asked some people and they're like, no, no bus tickets. And then we couldn't find a bus ticket and we were running out of time and the bus was late and we were, you know, we were wanting to get to this dinner. And so the bus finally came and I was like, let's just get on the bus. You know, um, it will it'll probably be fine. And so we get on the bus and like, like within minutes, we, we were being pulled off the bus by these two Italian guys um, and basically like who just seemed like average guys wearing plain clothes and they're like the, the, the bus police. And they, they saw us get on and it was obvious that we were tourists and they gave us this huge fine. I think it was like a hundred euro. And it was, you know, my, my girlfriend became very upset and I'm upset and I'm like, I know. And she, we she wasn't sure if these are real guys, if there was a scam. And I said, no, this is, this is legit. They gave us this ticket. And so, you know, I went to the ATM. They made, they took us to an ATM. It's like either you go to the ATM and pay us now or you get arrested or something like that. And so we literally had to go to the ATM and give them money. And it was like this, you know, it seemed like the whole day was ruined, right? Like this, you know, it's the last night in Florence and we're romantic. And I'm like, okay, whatever, we'll just go home. We go home and cool off. And then we, um, you know, have to have some champagne or something and go to this wonderful dinner and to this to this day, we look back on the trip, and that's one of the you know not the the, the best memory of the trip, but we'll always remember that that encounter. And it's, it's just it was a a, a a big mistake, but it ended up being this memorable learning experience. And so, even though it wasn't necessarily like like an amazing experience that you, you would think of from a, from a vacation, it's one of my things I'll never forget. <laughs> that's oh look, I mean, like you know, those travel stories are something that you look back on, and because I don't know whether they just you know cause you a lot of stress at the time or whatever it is, and traveling is stressful. Like you know, it really tests your relationship if you can travel with your partner, and you know, uh, so so hats off to that getting through a stressful situation and being able to go out, still go out for yeah. dinner that night. And I guess, you know, like being able to remember it is, is, is a really nice thing as well. I, I went to Italy probably about four, uh, five years ago and we had this GPS and we were trying to go to Florence actually. <laughs> and, um, and so we're, we're driving along. So we had a car we're driving along and we type in Florence into the, you know, GPS and it's like, Oh, you can just go to all streets. That's amazing. All streets. Because you don't know which street mm -hmm. you're going to, and this was, you know, before Google Maps was available everywhere, and um, and so we just selected all streets, and, and so we're driving along, and you have to go through these tolls, and so we went through one toll, and then the GPS turned us back around on the highway and pushed us back through the same toll, and we're going, okay, something's not right, and it turns out it's not all streets; it was the A11, oh. <laughs> and so. <laughs> We were on the A11 in Florence and we were coming up to, you know, coming up to the point of our destination and you can't stop on the highway. So it just kept pushing us through this toll. And I think we spent about 30 or 40 euros <laughs> <laughs> doing roundabouts in this toll, which is, you know, like, and that's exactly like, you know, one of those memories that you just keep forever. And just one of those stories that you go, oh my gosh, what were we thinking? Yeah. And I think... But the thing is, like, we always want to, like, present our best self, you know, especially with social media. Like, it's very curated. It's like, no one wants to show me, oh, here's where I, I sprained my ankle or here's where I slipped into some mud. It's like, no, here's me in front of this amazing site, you know, and here's us at this great dinner. We don't show, like, uh, the really bad piece of pizza we had, you know, but some of the best memories are the bad things that happened to us. Yeah, that's totally right. And, uh, okay, so, so traveling and uh, Florence aside for a little while, uh, let's hear a little bit more about you. So from uh, from what, you know, most people know, uh, you, you are on Instagram and I don't know whether you're on Facebook and a few other things, but tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, tell us maybe some of the stuff that people may not know about you. Well, I, I'm an attorney here in, in the state of Washington, um, an assistant attorney general. So I um, do civil litigation for the state. I work primarily in child welfare, um, which means I represent the state of Washington with um, all, all things relating to juvenile, um, issues such as foster care licenses, um, for homes or when people are looking to be foster parents or adopt children, or when they want to have a daycare facility or work with at risk youth. 
I also work with, with parents who've lost their children because of, of drug addiction or mental health issues and how can we reunify families. Um, and so it's basically working to protect children in Washington State. Um, and it's a very rewarding job. It's not something I ever thought I would be doing. If you asked me when I was a kid or even when I was in law school, what I'd be doing, that's what I do. Um, and I really enjoy doing that um, for a living. And then in my free time, I, 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 like, I love to go hiking, um, uh, cycle. Um, photography is one of my main hobbies. Um, and I also like to travel as we talked about earlier when I have the time and opportunity to do so. Mm. Oh, that's all right. So we have lots to talk about regarding cycling and photography because that <laughs> big, big ones for me as well. So that's, that's really awesome. And, and so you, uh, from, from what people may not know as well is that, uh, you lost a significant amount of weight over the past five years. And I, I don't know whether it's, you know, been the past five years since now but what was the the main motivation for you starting the ketogenic diet and maybe what what were some of the things that started you off in the right direction well um i had i had gained and lost weight before i found keto um yeah, during college for example um just by like you know the, the classic you know beat yourself up in the gym work hard um kind of uh, approach and then i got i got to law school and i was in, in st louis which is in missouri in the middle of the united states and I had, you know, uh, school was very stressful and I had, you know, just the weight kind of creeps up on you. I mean, some people will ask me like, how did you get so big? And you just, you just kind of, you're in denial almost, I think. And you're also just kind of in the background. It doesn't become a priority. And so I was in school, you know, in the library for hours on end. And I just started not to feel very well. You know, I get chest pain sometimes and, you know, my joints hurt and I, um, I went to the doctor just for a you know, physical and the doctor tells me, Hey, you know, your blood pressure is high. You know, you're, you're, you're so heavy. We can't weigh you on a normal scale. Um, you, your fasting blood glucose is, is pre pre-diabetic. Um, so you're on the path to getting diabetes, um, and your cholesterol is high. So basically all the things that like are associated with like dying young, it's, that's where you're going. And, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, that, that analogy with the frog and the, and, the, and the pot, if you put a frog into cool water and slowly boil it, they, the frog will die. But if you throw a frog into hot water, it'll jump out. And so like over time, it's, you just let these things compound until it's too late. And that was kind of a wake-up call. I, I wish there was a sooner wake-up call, but that was kind of that. And I just, one of my friend's father had died of, of a sudden cardiac event. And so that was on my mind as well. And I just wanted to just be healthy and turn my life around and live longer. And so... The doctor told me, hey, you should try um, the, the DASH diet, which was, I think, dieting around stopping hypertension because she, um, she's like, hey, you may be predisposed genetically to having hypertension because my dad has it. My dad's otherwise fit. Um, and so maybe like you need to worry about controlling your blood pressure. And, and so I looked at this diet and the diet's basically eat, you know, whole grain, spinach, all the health, the traditional healthy stuff, stay away from sodium, you know, eat lean protein and um, I had a very unhealthy kind of diet or, you know, very like, you know, the standard American diet. And so, the, you know, it's eating a lot of food that's probably un less palatable to someone coming from there. And so, but I said, no, I'm going to try this. And so I, I started trying to eat this way and it doesn't seem to be working very well for me. And I was just on the internet and this is probably around October of 2011. And I see this article, uh, I think on CNN.com, the news site saying like man loses 200 pounds. And so I just click on that and this, it's this, this guy saying he lost a bunch of weight doing a low carb diet. And I've heard, you know, the phrase low carb, um, before. And so I just click on that and there was this website called something awful. I'm not sure if that even still exists anymore. And they had this thing called the low carb mega thread. And there was a poster on there named sizzle chest who had this whole like fact about low carb and it's like eat bacon and eat cheese and you'll lose all this fat and eat fat. And that's a secret. And I was like, huh, you know, eat bacon and eat cheese and lose weight. I could do that. Um, and so I talked to my mom about discovering this. And she's like, oh, yeah, Atkins. And read this Gary Taubes book. And so she sends me the book called um, Why We Get Fat by Gary Taubes. And he talks about, um, like, the insulin theory of obesity. And I'm not saying that's right or, or 100%, you know, what, 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 how it works. But it, it made sense to me. And so I just decided to, to from there, I was going to jump in. And so I bought a scale. And, I, and I, I wanted to weigh myself, and I was too heavy for that scale. I think that scale only went up to 450 pounds. And so I stepped on it and just said, air. And I, and I said, okay, whatever. And I just went low carb and a very, like, looking back, like, you know, not very 
uh, you know, it wasn't very strict and it wasn't the best, but I just started it and I had started losing weight immediately. You know, I think it, I, I could, I could actually use the scale. I got down to 440 pounds within a couple of weeks and then I kept going down and that's what, how I got started. And then it wasn't just like smooth sailing, just a straight line. I kind of went on and off the diet over the next few years because of, you know, either laziness or because of, you know, you know, going to law school and graduating, you know, changing, you know, relationships and living with parents as you, as you study for the bar exam and all those things. And so then I got back onto it and, and then f- and lost the weight um, to where I am today. So I think just the, the what, what got me started was just like, you know, mortality, essentially, like we need to do this or else you're going to die. Yeah, well, that's and that's so powerful for so many people because um, I guess there's a, a feeling of helplessness a lot when you are trying to look at such a what needs to be you know a lifestyle change, and it can sort of feel like a little bit of a um, you know a, 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 a big barrier and something that you have to sort of research a lot. But as you said before, you just started and it started happening and it started happening relatively quickly so firstly congratulations that's a really awesome milestone for you to be able to have uh, lost all of that weight uh how does everyday life change for you when you've experienced not only um being on you know the 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 higher side of the scale but also being where you are today how does how does you know just everyday life change um i I think there are there are some some dramatic changes and there's some small changes um and I would say uh, both from weight loss and both from just keto, just being keto in general, I would say um, um, one of the, the biggest changes, obviously, is just health, right? I mean, when you lose weight, your life becomes easier. I mean, some people say, you know, it, oh, it's so hard to lose weight. Well, it's also really hard to be overweight. You know, you you, um, you, you wake up and, you know, you maybe you probably sleep, getting bad sleep because maybe you have sleep apnea and you're tired and you're sore. And just going up and down stairs is exhausting and, you know, clothes don't fit very well. And um, so they're just being in shape. You know, my life is just easier. I mean, I can, you know, walk much longer. I have better stamina. Um, like I have consistent energy. I wake up in the morning and I don't need coffee. I, I enjoy coffee, but I don't necessarily need as much caffeine and my energy is pretty even. So physically life is better and it's easier to ride a bike. It's easier to go hiking. It's easier to um, do physical activity just less physical pain. Um, you know, you can wear more clothes. I mean, when I was in college, I was really into, I had this phase where I was really into to jeans and I really wanted to, to wear these nice um, high end denim, but they, they wouldn't make them my size. And so, um, because they only made them for, for relatively slim or normal men. And so, but now I can do that kind of thing that I want. I can buy, buy clothes that, that they don't make for, for people my size. Um, you know, so you have more, just life is easier when you're a normal size. Um, the small things, you just fit into cars better. You, you, you can move the seat closer to the steering wheel, you know, flying is much like, you know, I like to travel. I don't have to worry about like being jammed in a plane for so long because I fit better. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about whether if, when I go to a theme park, if I can fit into a roller coaster. Um, so just like, just physically, you know, being in shape is much better than being out of shape. Um, and over time you just get used to that. It becomes normal. And so you don't notice that as much, but just, um, life is just easier physically. I would say one thing that, um, and this is, you know, this causes some controversy online. Sometimes I hear people talk about this, but people just treat you better when you are in shape. Um, you know, and some people think that's, that's wrong, right? But humans just are more attracted to more attractive people. There's the whole halo effect. People who, who look good are just treated better by society. And I think, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's my perception. And so being in shape, I think people just treat me better than when I was not in shape. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a tall, big guy, right? I'm 6'5". So even when I was overweight, I don't think most people could beat me up or bully me physically. But people would be like, hey, big guy, or, you know, not take you as seriously. And I pride myself in being, you know, I'm not an elitist, but I think I'm smart and I'm educated. I'm, I'm successful when I do. And I've always felt that I'm, I'm a smart person. But when you're fat, people don't think you're smart. You know, they, they discount your opinions. You know, you, what, the way, you know you, they give less credence to what your advice is because, hey, you're just a dumb fat guy or something like that. And so I noticed that people respect me more just being in shape. Even though I'm the same person, the same brain, I just get my, my opinion carries more weight or people think more of what I have to say. Um, and that, I guess, is good for my job, you know. Um, 
I mean, it makes me more convincing or, uh, or something. Um, so people just treat you better when you're in shape. And that's yeah. something that I think some people really don't like that. They're like, you know, or, like a lot of women talk about, oh, I lost weight and now guys are hitting on me or flirting with me and it makes you feel bad. And it's, and I, I understand why people will think that, but uh, you know, I, so you get more attention, right? I think it's just, it, dating is easier. I think, I mean, I've always been a confident person. I mean, my, my girlfriend currently, she met me when I was bigger, but you know, I think she'd be, she'd probably say I'm more attractive when I'm in better shape. So, you know, you just, you just look better as the opposite sex or whatever sex you want to be dating, I guess. So I think, um, just being treated better by society, um, is a big change. Just physically going through life is better, um, because you're, I'm not, you know, struggling to deal with moving like twice as much body weight. <laughs> I was, I was thinking about that as well, you know, um, like, cause I'm six foot five as well. So we're both tall guys <laughs> and um, I, I like, you know, from, from someone I haven't had a lot of, I haven't had to carry around um, a, a lot of weight in the past. And so when you were talking about how people treat you differently, um, that's, that's crazy because, you know, uh, I guess it's something that I haven't necessarily experienced, um, but I can see that, you know, especially online, uh, people are very, very shallow. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's, it's so hard when that actually comes down to just people treating you in everyday life. So that, thank you for sharing that first, firstly, because, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who would agree with that. Um, and yeah, I mean, like it, being six or five and being tall, you generally don't fit into places anyway, regardless, yeah. like even on airplanes and things like that, your knees hit the front of the seat. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, the, life is built for regular, ordinary sized people. And uh, when you were saying about your clothes before, um, you know, I, I, I sometimes struggle even just with the larger sizes that they've got because they're either just too short <laughs> or, the, you know, like it, 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 and it doesn't stop. So, I mean, like you can't change your height, um, but you can, you can definitely, um, you know, m- move towards losing, losing weight. And, you know, like that's, that's so powerful because being on both sides of that scale, you can sort of see that there is, um, people out there who will treat you differently based on how much you weigh. And I, I just think that's crazy. Like, I, I think that needs to be a, a topic of discussion for a, <laughs> a whole podcast, I think. Yeah. But, you know, um, like uh, on your on your weight loss journey and on your journey to where you are now, and I mean, like, you know, just going keto, first of all, what were some of the biggest successes throughout that journey and then maybe in contrast what were some of the failures that you had along the way and how did you like what did you learn from those failures and what was uh, something that you know I, i'm sure lots of people stick to the ketogenic diet for a while and then they inevitably fall off uh was that something that happened to you or is it you know what what were some of those back and forth types of deals so i would say that um so when I started, I did it very much, um, and there was, and I, I, this is 2011, and so there was some information online, mostly that I got from Reddit, um, but there was a lot less information. There was, you know, Instagram. I'm not sure if Instagram existed back then. Um, you, there was YouTube, but you know, so social media is so much bigger. There's just so much more information available. Um, you know, I didn't know what a macro, the phrase macro, wasn't a concept to me, or I knew what calories were. And I knew, I knew you had to kind of learn as I went. Um, and now you can find meal plans online. We have keto cookbooks and food blogs and all this stuff. And that stuff was very much brand new back then. And so I kind of just jumped into it by what are the, all, all the obvious sources of carbs in my diet and let's remove those. And so I think first, what a lot of people and what I focus on is like, what can I not have rather than what can I have? And so I kind of had to like cut everything out. And I, I, was, I really loved breakfast cereal. I loved chips i loved um and what i like to call garbage you know highly processed um kind of food that is not necessarily very healthy for you so like you know cheese its and, and cheese nips and goldfish crackers uh um you know even stuff like granola just just you know crunchy carb stuff um and so i kind of cut that out and i kind of had to learn what to eat and it, it wasn't necessarily a perfect diet i would go to um the bar and get wings. Um, sometimes I get the boneless wings, which still have a flour coating on them, but just even just cutting all the, the sources of, of, of the main carbs out of my diet works. And I would still go to McDonald's and just take the bun off my burger, that kind of thing, because it's really hard to go from, you know, this very, um, uh, junk food kind of diet or a diet that's full of carbs to, to not have that, you know, you don't just go from, 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 from uh, like per flawed to like perfect, you know, it's kind of like a, a learning experience for me. And so I started out that and I was able to quickly lose about 40 or 50 pounds. 
and then the summer happened and I, um, during the summertime in law school, you, you, you try to find an internship, um, traditionally to, to get an employment. And I found a job working for one of the tribes here in Washington state, the Native American tribe, the Tulalip tribe. And I came back out to Washington state and I was, I was law school in St. Louis. I moved out here and I didn't have a, a lot of money, um, and, or resources. And I was living with my dad. Um, and because I didn't have a lot of money, you know, when you're first starting out keto, it can be very expensive as you kind of, you know, until you learn how to like, you know, be, be cost effective with it. And I, and I was, he was basically, I'll, I'll buy some groceries. And so, um, I, I, um, kind of just kind of, I didn't go back to eating a bunch of carbs, but I kind of like got prelapsed. You know, I drank beer, I would go out to meet people, you know, and do those kind of things. Um, but I was able to maintain my weight. I came back, um, from, from that summer at the same weight, but I didn't really go make any progress. Right. But I decided I'm going to join a gym and start working out and lifting weights. And so I started working out and that, that some, that fall, that would be the fall of 2012. I, I went down into the three hundreds and I think down to about three sixty. So I lost another 40 pounds while putting some muscle on and, you know, I would have some cheat days and, you know, or whatever. Um, cause there's like a lot of good, good, you know, carb food in St. Louis. Like they have, um, this thing called gooey butter cake and, you know, people want to visit you and go to the, the Budweiser brewery, which is in St. Louis and, you know, have some beer. And, you know, when you're young, you people socialize through alcohol and you want to drink. And so, you know, I wasn't perfect. And my partner wasn't on, she wasn't anti-keto, but she didn't really eat low carb. And so there'd be other food in the household. And I'm like, I want some chips or I want some pancakes. And so that kind of slowed my progress. And then I graduated from law school in 2013, came back to Washington state and got down to about 3:30, and was studying for the bar exam, which is the test you take, you know, to be, to practice law. And again, don't have a lot of money. So I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of at the mercy of uh, my parents for, for, for helping me until I get on my feet. And so I didn't have, I had less control over the food available to me. Um, my mom support supported me. Um, but she, you know, again, I'm not asking her to like buy me all this nice food, you know, so I'm kind of whatever you have, I'll eat. So I don't want to be like a, a burden. And then I got a job um, and was able to take care of myself. And I was starting to eat low, low carb, but not really pay attention to how much food I was eating, just kind of whatever I wanted. And I started lifting weights pretty seriously. And if you just go to the gym and um, work out, you, you tend to be pretty hungry. And I've always had a big appetite. And so I was eating probably like um, pretty much keto, but not really, you know, eating too much food to lose weight, if that makes sense, kind of ma ma maintaining what I was. And at some point I um, was just like, you know what, I'm going to buckle down and just, and start losing weight. And I started tracking my macros pretty closely, my calories, and just, just dropped the rest of the weight and got down to um, uh, an all time low of about 200 pounds at six foot five, but, 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 you know, very, very, very um, weak, you know, lost a lot of muscle mass. Um, you know, wasn't feeling the best and I wanted to get like kind of, you know, put some muscle on and get strong. And so I, I kind of, since that I've been working on just lifting weights and sticking to a keto diet, um, um, except for, you know, special occasions and then kind of going from there and putting muscle back on. And so now I'm kind of, um, I would say I mean, it's kind of sad, but I'm in the best shape of my life. If that makes sense. I, you know, even though I'm in my early thirties now, you know, most people are their best shape in their twenties, but today I'm, I'm strong and I'm, you know, relatively shaped. I can go hike and stuff and, I like where I am today. Yeah, that's that. That's so amazing, you know. And I hear this all the time, actually. Um, you know, people get to a, a little bit of a later stage in their life, and they say, "I'm in the best shape of my life right now." And that's that's you know incredibly powerful to say as well, because not only uh, you know not necessarily that people um, are, you know might put on weight in their in their twenties, but they can just be in terrible health in the same respect, and so. For, for them to turn around and, and really start to look after their health in their thirties, then it's the same thing, you know, like, and, and ultimately um, it doesn't like, I, I honestly believe it really doesn't matter how old you are. As long as you're healthy, that's, that's all that matters. And the, you know, you can slow the process of aging down and whatnot, but if you're not enjoying life, then you need to fix that. And, and it sounds like you just like head down you did what you needed to do and you, and you came out and you, yeah. And, and, and it doesn't matter how old you are uh, and it doesn't matter where you are in your life, you're healthy. And that's, that's so, so important. And when you were talking about, you know, and now you're building muscle on the ketogenic diet and you're lifting weights, how is that, um, you know, because that's, that's almost like it, it, that would be very hard to then go and say, okay, now I need to put back on the muscle that I lost 
um, which which was something that you were trying to lose for a long time. How how was that mental shift um, important for you to actually start and and go back to the gym and, and say, okay, I need to actually shift the way I think about this a little yeah, bit? That's that's probably one of the hardest parts psychologically because um, you know I one of the things that um, I think a lot of people deal with is like fear of failure. And I don't want to, I don't want to fail. If that makes sense. I don't want to, there's that statistic that most people who lose weight regain the weight and it's hard to keep it off. And I, in my back of my mind is like, I don't want to be that statistic. I don't want to be somebody who lost a bunch of weight and gained it back and failed. Um, and I think plenty of people do regain weight and then, you know, you learn from those mistakes, but I just wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to maintain this. I know how hard that was. And that's what like the message is online. It's just, it's just like, you know, it's really hard and most people can't do it. Like doctors have said like, Oh, just losing 10% of your body fat of your body weight is like an, is an amazing accomplishment statistically. Most people can't do that. And so to lose more than that and keep it off is a huge accomplishment. And so with that in the back of your mind, now you're like, I got to eat more food. I know you've been focusing on cutting, cutting, cutting for, for months, you know, maybe in case some people's cases years at a time. And you're like, you're restricting yourself. And now to go to the, to, to put weight on, you got to eat more food. Um, and in the, maybe you're in the back of your mind, like, oh man, I'm going to lose control. I'm going to, I'm going to binge or pig out or whatever. And so that, that mindset shift is, is very, it's, it's challenging, you know, to, to, to put, put, put it back on. And then to actually put muscle on, you kind of have to, you're going to put a little bit of body fat back on, you know, you can eat, or you're going to, it's going to be an incredibly slow and arduous process. I mean, it's slow regardless, even if you eat a ton of food, you're not just going to put 20 pounds of muscle on. It takes a long time to put it on but you're going to have to eat more at a surplus and some of that's going to be fat and you kind of have to deal with that. And so I think for me, what's really fortunate is I have a partner who does support me and, you know, she was kind of, you know, some of the impetus there, she said, Hey, you know, you are pretty scrawny and you know, you, you don't look as healthy as I think you should look. And so, you know, you'd probably be healthier if you put some size back on it. That's very true. Um, and so, so she's supportive there as well. And she's someone who's into fitness um, and I have friends who are in fitness and, and powerlifting as well. And so I think to having, having some of that support was very helpful, but I've been able to, um, kind of, you know, put muscle on and, you know, I haven't, you know, gained a ton of weight. I've put some size back on, but it's mostly been, been, been lean muscle tissue. And I have very, very, um, um, it's been a, a learning experience, but definitely hard mentally, I would say for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I know that I've struggled with this a lot you know, throughout my life is, is, uh, you know, looking, small for your size if that makes sense and and you know i'm probably around the 200 pounds i think i don't know what the pounds are i'm um whatever it is but yeah people uh like i'm a i'm a, a marathon runner so <laughs> for, for me to to hold extra weight it doesn't necessarily make sense but i've gone through parts of my life where i wanted to go to the gym and i wanted to actually you know uh, put muscle on and and it's very counterintuitive to actually eat more food but what, what i found was and then and what one of my friends was saying is he said it's okay to eat an, enough of the right food it's not it's not about just going out there and and saying and a lot of bodybuilders can uh do this and maybe get away with it but a, a lot of people who might might be struggling with a lot of m metabolic issues and a whole bunch of other things like gi distress and and and, and even just like uh, being able to digest your food properly when you start eating uh, more food um, you need to make sure it's the right food and so it sounds like that what you've been doing is the correct way of and and it's the the the, the best way for you to be able to go and instead of cutting going and doing essentially what they call a bulk maybe and going on mm -hmm. and putting more lean muscle on by by doing it the right way and not just going out there and and just eating more ice cream or you know like was that was that ever a tendency for you to just just go out there and and quit being keto and just eat more food or was it you wanted to do it strictly keto no i wanted i wanted to do it strictly keto because i felt that um for me um some people some people out there think that calories are less important um my personal experience is that ca calories actually really matter a lot I don't think it's the end all be all. And it's really hard to know, calculate like with exact science, how much calories your body burns through exercise and everyone's metabolic rate is, you know, a little bit, it's more of a, of an estimate, right. Than an exact thing. But I knew that, um, if I cut my calories below a certain level, that's, that's a comfortable way for me to lose weight. 
And conversely, when I wanted to put weight on, I, I said, oh, you know, I'm going to start by adding this, how much back to my diet and see what my maintenance is. And then I found what that was and then I'll add some more and then kind of track my weight as it goes up. And that way it wasn't just me because I was, you know, I said, I'm, to be totally honest, I was, uh, there's that fear of just losing it. For example, I'm not just going to give myself the excuse to eat all, everything you can. And I, I think if you talk to any sort of fitness, like coach, no matter what sort of diet they espouse, you know, bulking is an excuse to eat all the things, you know, you still have to go with it with it, with a, a pretty good approach, you know, because you don't want to put on a bunch of extra body fat because um, you think you're putting on muscle. You have, you know, just eating ice cream doesn't just help you build muscle essentially. So mm-hmm. you have to make sure you're doing it right. And so I, I kind of went a little bit more slowly, just I'm going to add more calories and I'm going to try to see which is better for me, adding more protein, adding more fat, how many, how much carbs is too many carbs. And so I kind of did a lot of self-experimentation, which I think is really important. Um, I think a, a big influence on me there was um, Robert Sykes, uh, who's keto savage. You know, he was a, he's a keto bodybuilder and I remember discovering him and he was, you know, and there's a guy named Goody Beats, Logan Delgado, who are people who built a lot of muscle with, with, with keto. And then Danny Vega, who does a more of a carnivore approach. Um, and all of those people, I think, have kind of talked about, you know, higher fat or higher protein and what works best for them. And I kind of had to figure out, you know, how much protein do I need? How much fat do I need? Um, and which is more optimal for me? And that's not always, it's not always the best for everybody. Some people do better with more fat. Some people do better with more protein. And you kind of have to figure out what, what, what works best for you. And that goes into that whole, there's a, the controversy right now ongoing about, oh, if you have too much protein, you won't be in ketosis and then, you know, or too much fat and you won't burn body fat. And my, my approach has always been, there's a guy named um, Darth Luigi. He runs Keto Gains and that's another bodybuilding kind of oriented way. And, and the slogan of Keto Gains um, is chase results, not ketones. And like, that's all that matters to me is what are the results? You know, I don't care if I'm in and out of ketosis, you know, on a given day because I had too much protein or whatever. All I care about is that what are, what's the results? Do I feel better? Am I actually making progress? You know, I don't need to, it doesn't need yeah. to be this strict, you know, dogmatic approach. It's what's working best for me is always been my, my approach. So I think it's all about self-experimentation and finding what works best for the individual because it's not going to be the same, you know, because if my goal is putting muscle on, someone else may want to do, like become better, a, a more better runner, for example. And, and that's a totally different kind of exercise. Mm, yeah, that's that's really interesting, actually. And and uh, all of all of the people, if you're um, you know, if you were just listening before, and uh, we heard uh, you heard a lot of names mentioned, I'll put all of those in the in the show notes. But if you don't get to um, the show notes, I'll just repeat them again. So there's Keto Savage, uh, there's Goody Beats, there's Danny Vega, and Darth Lu- uh, Darth Luigi was it who runs Keto Gain? So so okay. Keto Savage, Robert, um, he did a course with uh, Keto Connect and they did the Deeper State Keto recently. And Goody Beats also did a, a cut um, on YouTube a little while ago and now he's doing a whole bunch of stuff, but he has a lot of free resources on YouTube. And and Danny Vega, um, I'm not exactly sure where he is is the most resourceful, but he is a fantastic guy to follow as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's so awesome that you're, you're following all of those guys because, um, you know, they... they 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 have so much influence for the people around them and they just don't know it and just because they're such great people and and crystal as well um you know robert's uh fiance yeah. now she's the same and i and i think uh you know those people are very very important to have around you and and you don't necessarily have to have all of the people um who are good influencers around you in person you can also have them around on youtube or instagram or whatnot and it's the same with reading books or any of those types of things, you don't necessarily have to have them in person. You can have your mentors online as well. Um, but I wanted to talk about a little bit more on, um, you know, what you were saying before about doing the ketogenic diet for yourself. And uh, you mentioned that your mom was also, she knew a little bit about the Atkins diet and she sort of supported you through that. Were there any, uh, you know, uh, I think you, by the sounds of it, you like to lead through example and you don't necessarily preach to people is that is that more your sort of approach yeah i when i i i have a, I have a lot of friends who um through life who've been vegan and uh, are vegetarian and they're all good people right you know and i, I never wanted to, to, to be like oh you're wrong or they're they're wrong right but they're, those are always people who who they owned their lifestyle and they didn't like impose on anybody else one of my um longtime friends or a friend of a friend is a vegan back in Chicago and, and, and she's 
fully embrace that lifestyle. Um, but she never has been one of those people who is out there, like, you know, on the corner screaming, meat is, meat is murder. I, I know a lot of people believe that, right? But, but like, there, that, I feel like there's a very, like, vocal minority that kind of ruins the experience for a lot of people, right? You know, I think I don't have a problem with veganism whatsoever, but if someone is coming to my door and saying, you know, you're, you're evil because you're eating meat, I'm going to be turned off, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and I think there's, on the community online, there's, there's a lot of toxicity on both sides. I mean, the, some of that comes from the, the keto community. Oh, you're dumb because they're eating fruit or whatever, you know? And that kind of negativity and um, turns me off. And, and I think that from a personal experience, it's it's much always better to win an argument through example than for words, right? If you tell somebody they're wrong, um, they're probably going to turn off and ignore you. I mean, when you, there's there's studies that show you when you're presented with evidence that um, is contrary to what you believe, it just makes you double down on what you believe. And so it, it, you can't always convince somebody. And so um, – even though I love keto and think it's a great diet and can change a lot of people's lives, I'm never going to tell people, oh, you got to do keto. you got to do keto. I'm just going to um, do my thing. And then if people want to say, oh, how did you lose all that weight? Um, I, I will happily share that information, happily be uh, a, a, a resource. And the only time I've, I really ever have been more proactive is when the people who I'm close to, I care about and can like my like, like brother or sister, for example, and be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I love you. So, you know, maybe you should try this because it worked for me um, as well. And so I've never been like kind of the, the, the preacher, but plenty of people have asked me, hey, well, how did you lose the weight and how did it work for you? But in general, uh, most of it has been kind of a self-directed journey, um, so to speak. And like you said earlier, it made a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, you don't necessarily have a lot of support in your friends and family. So find some online. And I, I really found a lot of my support online. Mm, yeah it's so it's so important you know and and i do the same thing where my partner she she is not keto um and she has lots of things around the house and uh and it's a real temptation but what i've found as well and i don't know whether you've experienced this as as well but when you build up the resilience to those temptations in your home you're much more resilient when you leave the house mm -hmm. as well and and you know you know for a lot of people when you start you just need to eliminate all of all of those trigger foods and and those types of foods that would want you make you go back to eating the way you were because it's just easy right but you know when you build up that resilience on and and with the scenarios and the people around you and and you know being flexible to a certain degree um, then you you become so strong uh, and and nothing can can really come in your in in your way is is that something that you found as well yeah i i, I never i've never been in an environment um that like a, like a living situation since i discovered keto that was like a sheltered keto environment when i first discovered it my girlfriend um she was not keto um this is max girlfriend talking about um she supported me but she still had all the food that she liked in the house and so it was there and so I, um, fortunately I've always, I think it's a pretty good discipline and was able to not just like, you know, see some cereal or some crackers and just, just eat that. I mean, I'm not perfect. So there's definitely, I'm sure have been some relapses, but you know, I was able to kind of resist that. And then, you know, if she wanted to go to a restaurant or get some beer, I would just get, you know, I'll get a whiskey instead of beer because whiskey doesn't have carbs in it. Um, or, or get a dry wine or champagne. Um, and I would just kind of learn how to, how to, how to cope or what, what, to, what I could order out over time. You kind of learn, you know, oh, I can always find a, a meat and, a, and a, a vegetable or something like that. Um, sometimes you're not getting as good a value for your money, depending on where you're going, but you can kind of learn to adapt in those situations. Um, my, um, my mom, when I was, uh, came home from law school, I was staying with her for, until I, um, passed the bar and got a job and she was supporting me, but she still had some non keto food in the house and, and so, but I was able to have that there and it wasn't something that oh, I'm going to go and just binge out on a bunch of popcorn or whatever. I would say just the challenges, like life is challenging, right? I, there's plenty of non keto food that if I, if I see it, I'm like, oh man, I remember being able to enjoy that and I would love to have some of it. And there's always going to be social situations in which they, those, those kind of temptations come up. But I think just having those challenges makes you stronger. You know, if, if you can only survive in your diet, in, a, in, in your house and you can't ever go out to a restaurant, you can't ever go to a grocery store, you know, um, it's just, you're never going to be successful, you know? So, um, mm, yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, and it, it's so, it's so awesome for, to, to hear that, you know, because I, I had this thing for a long time where, um, the, the, 
I think I had a little bit of backlash before I started keto. And so for me, it was like trying to just stick it, <laughs> you know, but if, if people around you it, at least understand what you're doing, um, then, then it makes it, it makes it a lot easier uh, when you don't have to, you know, resist the, the battle every day, let alone all of the temptations. So yeah, that, 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 that's really awesome that you had people around you to support you and, and they didn't necessarily need to, uh, you know, do keto at the same time. It was just that they, they were under, understanding your position, I guess. Um, so uh, like, you know, all of those questions, I'm, I'm sure people are going to get some really, really valuable, uh, content from there because not only are you so well-spoken, um, but you know, all of the information that you bring to the table is just, uh, it's, it's so important because because you know we're, we're not trying to preach to anyone it's just this is the information take or leave it and you know maybe if you're listening to this podcast you're you're pretty sold on keto anyway but you don't have to be and and that's the greatest thing um but you know at ending the podcast i love to incorporate a few quick rapid fire questions that um you know i guess uh, a, a little bit um i don't know rapid fire <laughs> there's no, no other really <laughs> great way to explain them. but um uh, number one what is your favorite keto food i think it's probably steak and close behind that is eggs i think um i'm just I'm, i don't need a lot of variety in my life i found I, I still like variety every now and then but just nothing beats steak for me um and i really like ribeye steak i think that's probably the, the best kind of steak it's almost kind of ruined other steaks for me because i'll go to the grocery store <laughs> And, and like, oh, I'll, I'll buy, I'll try sirloin or I'll try something a little bit leaner. And then I eat that. And I'm like, why did I buy that when I could just have a ribeye? But then at the same time, ribeyes are very expensive and they're also pretty, it's a, you know, because if you're trying to make, watch what you eat, you can't just eat a, a bunch of it because it's, it's got tons of calories. Um, um, and so if you want to enjoy other foods that day, you kind of have to like, you know, not necessarily make your, all your food steak. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and eggs are eggs are really really awesome as well. Now, a uh, quick question as well: Do you like rib eye or rib fillet? Um, I think rib eye is the one that's like the the really lean small part of the. Uh, I don't know where the cut is from, but and then the rib fillet's the one with the marbled fat through it. Is that is that the one that you're talking about? Yeah, I think I think it depends on where you are in the world, what what you call the steak. Right. In the United States, we refer to the the ribeye as being it's like the fatty the fatty um, middle of the back of the cow. You know, if you want to get a list of long tissue, I'm trying to pronounce it. One of the dorsal muscles and uh, <laughs> yeah. the spinalis dorsi and then the long t long tissimus dorsi i forget you know but it's the part of the cow that doesn't do a lot of work for for walking and that's why it's very tender and has a lot of fat in it and so typically it has a bone in it um or i mean it, it can't have a bone in it so we call that a ribeye steak in the united states I, I never heard someone call it a rib fillet but it's definitely one of the fattiest cuts you can get if that makes sense. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, I think it must be different here in Australia. Australia has some strange cuts, um, but I guess then again, so does America. Like, there's the New York Strip, and I was like, "What is the New York Strip?" <laughs> but yeah, we can we can leave that for people who love to discuss different cuts of meat. Um, uh, I know that you were you were saying that you enjoy weightlifting, um, but you also cycle and uh, you really love hiking as well. Um, what's your favorite type of exercise? Um, I would say my favorite type of exercise exercise is probably um uh weightlifting and I, I would i i would argue that most of my weight loss has been mostly diet and exercise is more to just improve my like quality of life and physical fitness i really enjoy um hiking is more of a social thing getting out there with my friends um you know um i've tried running in the past um but i think hiking and and, and, and cycling is more of like a social thing. But for me, weightlifting, I, and I do it alone. It's kind of like my time to go prove, prove myself to myself. You know, I, I just get a lot of enjoyment out of going to the gym and like, you know, picking up a lot of weight and just, you know, kind of getting stronger and seeing what I can do. So, um, for me, weightlifting is, is a lot of fun. I always joke to my girlfriend that like my favorite and least favorite day of the week is the day I do deadlifts because I, I love deadlifts and I just also hate them because they're so difficult and taxing. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And and uh, and they're quite a complex move too, you know, because to do a proper deadlift and it's something that you uh, you learn over time and it's something that you just keep on improving. Is there is there uh, have you changed the way you've done deadlifts over the over when since you started and to where you are? Now? Yeah, I think there's different ways of doing them, and I've always tried to improve. Like what you said about they're challenging. Like form is so important. Um, and I've really tried over, over time to like kind of put my ego aside and improve my form so that my, I'm not like rounding my back too much or, or hurting myself, you know, setting up properly to the bar. So I, 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 I do, a tra- there's tradition, there's traditional stance. There's also sumo stance, which is like a wide leg stance. I think I have, I have really long legs and really long arms and a, a relatively shorter torso, but in relation to my height. And so for me, I found that just a traditional, um, stance works best. Um, for lifting the most weight, but then I realized, you know, sumo and other things can help develop other muscles in your body, like your obliques. And so I've, I've, I tried to incorporate, um, more movements to just kind of build more functional strength. And that helps your, your main lifts go up as well. So I think improving my form has been really good. If I go back and, and think of my deadlifts when I was much bigger, you know, I could lift more weight, but the form, the form wasn't as good. And so now my form is better. And that's important as I get older, because, you know, um, I'm doing it more for pre- preventative maintenance, staying strong and fit, not necessarily because I want to be a competitive power lifter and I don't need to be lifting like 500 pounds in order to stay strong. I need to be lifting, you know, 300, 400, but with good form. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And that was something I slipped into as well when I went to the gym is that, you know, more equals better. And, and it doesn't necessarily because it ends up if you – overdevelop some other things or you know you put too much strain on a particular joint then it can actually backfire and uh yeah so it's important for uh, anyone out there not to be focusing on the numbers just focusing on what your goals are and how you feel um but you know what what are some of the least favorite well uh, you know we've talked about all the positives here let's talk about some of not necessarily the negatives but the things that you learn from so what what is the least favorite keto food that you've tried you know maybe something that other people like and you just go nah i'm not eating it no thanks um, so two things come to mind immediately and the first one's kind of weird is that i really really do not like almond butter um and i love almonds like I, almonds are one of my favorite foods um and i just can't get enough of almonds but i i just really don't like almond butter and don't understand why anyone want to eat almond butter when you can have peanut butter which actually tastes good so almond butter is it's, it's just dry and yep. i think there's proof there because when you go to the store all the almond butter is flavored there's like maple almond butter and chocolate almond butter because no one likes regular almond butter because it's so gross <laughs> yeah i uh I, oh, yeah i i totally agree but you know i've i've recently been making my own almond butter so for the marathon that i'm doing i've i've started mm. using almond butter as like a bit of a fueling tactic um, and I mix it with a lot of MCT oil mm-hmm. uh, and it actually tastes really good and I make it super salty and it's just, I don't know, but that's really interesting that you love almonds, but almond butter just ruins the experience. So I can totally empathize with that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, peanut butter is delicious. So, yeah. I love um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, food aside, what is your least favorite exercise? And I know you were saying deadlifts before. Um, which are sort of like your both your best and your worst. But do you have any other exercises that are, uh, you know, something that you just really don't enjoy? Um, I would say, in terms of if just exercise, I've always I've always had like kind of a, a didn't didn't like running. I think that goes back to being when I was a kid and I was fat and I just couldn't like the mile run in high school was my least favorite day um, uh, of gym class. I'd always have to do the mile run every so often. And I'd be like, Oh man, I can't do that. And then when I got in better shape, I did, um, the program couch to 5k and I got better at running and running and running, um, just to kind of prove to myself, it's like, you can run and you, you know, you can have some good stamina, but to this day I, I hate it. You know, I just, I can, I've ran, I've, I think I've ran a half marathon, not like officially like in a race, but I've run, you know, 13 miles before just to prove it to myself. I did the couch to 5k app once and then the, 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 the 5k to 10k. And then there's like even a 10k to marathon you can do. And I did, I got to 13 miles and I was like, why am I doing this? I hate this, you know? <laughs> and so I just, I mean, I like sprints every now and then, but I just, I never going to be a runner. And I, I love, and people, I know plenty of people love running and it's just more power to them. You know, so if you love running, then, then, then go find that, but it's not for me. Yeah, no, and I I totally empathize with that as well because when you and congratulations on doing a half marathon because it's really brutal and it's a long way to run um, yeah. and I don't necessarily think 
running for that distance or that long is necessarily healthy. But some people, uh, you know, find a lot of mental clarity from doing that. And so, yeah, kudos to anyone out there who is who is running those distances without any major pains or without yeah. anything uh, going too wrong. But yeah, I think in terms of health, I think you can you can get a lot more out of sprints or you can get a lot more out of um, cycling, which can be you know a little bit less. Uh, jarring to your knees and whatnot but um do you do you have any uh you know something that's recently inspired you do you have a book or a video or uh you know any any sort of you know something that you've seen recently that has inspired you and maybe might inspire someone who's listening to this podcast yeah i think i've read um last last year i read a lot of books because i was trying to challenge myself to try to read a book a year and i end up reading a lot and so this year i've read a little bit less but two of the two or three books that I really enjoyed um, are um, one's called the practicing mind um, by Thomas Sterner. And I think that was actually really helpful for my weight loss um, kind of, you know, focusing on the practice, the practice, the pro- focusing on the process rather than the outcome. I think that's really important. There's some sort of, um, there's a metaphor that I use. I think I probably stole it from him if I'm not, if I'm, if I don't remember, but like someone asked me like, you know, how do you, get through weight loss. And I say like, you know, I think weight loss is like sailing a ship across the ocean from like Europe to the United States. If you look at the horizon every day, it looks like you're going nowhere, you know, and you're like, I'm not making any progress. So instead of looking at the horizon, you look up at the sails and make sure that the sails are, you know, are in the right position and that the rudder is in the right position and that the, the boat, the engine's working because, you know, as long as you focus on those things you can control, you'll get there eventually. And I feel like that's the message of that book. Like you focus on the, on the process and fall in love with the process. And that's how you get there. And that was really helpful for me for losing weight. And then I really like this book called uh, the, the the Obstacle is the Way um, by Ryan Holiday. And it's like a stoic philosophy. And I think that's also, there's a lot of people in the, in the keto community who, who embrace stoicism. And I, I found stoicism um, separately through through reading Marcus Aurelius in college. And then just my family's dealt with a lot of str- uh, struggles um, personally. And I always remember thinking about, um, you know, that, that book and, you know, um, meditations and so I've, I've lately read some more books about stoicism and listened to some stoic podcasts and so the obstacles away is just a really good book about you know life is stressful and it, it really helped me as in my career as an attorney like what do i do when i lose a trial for example you know how can i like you know not beat myself up and like learn from that stress yeah that's that's so powerful uh, um i haven't read the practicing mind but from the amount of self-experimentation that you do and uh, have been so successful with, that is going straight onto my wish list. <laughs> and the obstacle is a way I have read before. And Ryan Holiday is such a well-spoken guy as well. Um, and it's and as exactly as you said, you know, it's coming up against those hard things. And sometimes those those hard things are the way to move forward. And I, I, I think about this metaphor of um, playing video games. And you know, if you were playing Super Mario or you know, you're always coming across these enemies and you're moving towards these hard things. And if you're going, uh, if you're not coming up across hard things, it generally means you're just going in the opposite direction. And from playing video games, you want to be moving forward. You want to be moving to that next level and you're always coming up against hard things. So it's really important to be uh, not only going up, just, you know, not necessarily going up against hard things every single day, but choosing the right things to learn from and choosing the right things to um you know, just be more aware of. So yeah, those two books and all of these resources are going to be in the show notes as well for anyone who wants to check those out. And uh, I used to be a musician for a long time. And so I get a lot of kick out of, uh, you know, hearing what you have to say about this question. What music have you been listening to recently? recently and what what music is sort of like, you know, your, your favorite type of music, I guess, like if you had an anthem or I don't know, there's, there's a whole bunch of different ways I could ask that question, but basically what's your favorite? Um, well, so that's like, that's like one of the hardest questions to always answer is like, what is like your favorite music? Um, but I've always really liked, um, electronic music and metal, um, and classical music. I mean, I, I minored in music in college and so studied a lot of classical music, but metal, electronic, hip hop, especially too. Um, but lately there's a band called Yobe, um, and they're from Oregon and they're a doom metal band. And they just came out with a new album. Um, I think this month or last month, and I've really been enjoying listening to that. Um, it's just, just really good. It's really good for the gym. You know, when I find listening to like really like powerful, heavy metal music helps me when I'm weightlifting, I think it's kind of cliche. I think a lot of guys listen to metal, but it's just something about it that gets that gets your blood pumping. I think. 
<laughs> that's awesome. I don't know whether you follow the Headbangers Kitchen, but I always yeah. remember like, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Headbangers Kitchen. Yeah. And he's got his what's like, lawns up, up, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So good. So, so, so what was it, the orb? Is it, is it um, O-R-B-E? Is that how you pronounce it? Yo, Y-O-B. Y-O-B. Y-O-B, yeah. They're from Oregon, which is not that far from me. them out. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really cool. I'll have to I'll have to do you have a favorite song in particular? Um well then off the new album there's a, a song called Beauty and Falling Leaves that I think is really good. Um I, I like all types of metal, um, but over time I've gravitated more towards like the slower, like um like doom metal is is the genre and doom is kind of a slower, sludgier sound that kind of has more of a build up and a, a more atmosphere, you know, and then thrash metal is the opposite, kind of fast and in like high tempo. And I like both, but that song, Beauty and Falling Leaves, is kind of this slow building anthem. And I remember reading about um, the lead singer, and I think the album was inspired by him just dealing with with personal setback in his life. Like I think he had uh, uh, was in the hospital and wrote it while he was in the hospital because he was faced with, with his own mortality. Um, and so I think that's kind of what's behind the the lyrics of, of the album. And so it's it's good. It, it, it just really you know it's it's heavy and it's it's powerful, and I, and I really enjoy listening to it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to have to check it out. And and so I really love ending the podcast on, uh, you know, just one big question, basically. And for, for some people, it, it might be a favorite recipe, but I think you have a lot of experience uh, when it comes to giving, uh, you know, advice from experience. And so if someone out there is was current, is currently in your position where you were five years ago, what would you say to them? Like, what advice would you give to them, and what would you not say to them? I would, I would say to them, um, just jump into it. Um, a lot of people are afraid, afraid. I think there's a lot of fear at the start because you don't know, like, is this keto? Is there, is there, is there carbs in that? Um, you know, what? Like, is the keto flu going to be too, too much? It's just, just try it. Don't be afraid of failure. You know, you don't have to get perfect. This isn't a, a, it's a, you know, you're a marathon runner. It's a long distance, you know, like lifelong thing. It's not a sprint to the finish line. I know that that, that metaphor gets overused all the time on the internet, but it's very true. You know, if you're going to be successful, it's going to be a, a lifetime change and you don't necessarily want to like, you know, just get it perfect from day one. You want to learn what does and doesn't work. And so when anyone ever asks me, just, I'm like, just tonight, just try to have dinner without carbs in it um, from whatever you can. And then just go from there. You don't need to like, you know, start on, on Monday with a perfect plan, just jump right into it. Um, and I say, I think the flip side of that is what I wouldn't tell them is I wouldn't tell them what to do. I wouldn't tell them, you know, this is, you know, I wouldn't tell them what works for me. I wouldn't just say like, Oh, you got to eat a bunch of, you know, nice, nice steak for all your meals or you can't eat, you know, um, keto junk food or, or quest bars. I, I just wouldn't, I, I just, to, I would just try to stick to telling them just learn what's going to work best for you and don't be afraid of failure. Just jump into it. Don't, don't worry about overthinking it at first because it's going to be a gradual improvement and you'll get much more out of it from learning from your mistakes um, that way. Oh, that's such an awesome response. Not telling them what to do. That is, if, if that was the summary of the podcast, damn. That's so, so awesome because, you know, that there are, again, like so many people get confused on where to start, but it's generally up to you on how to start and what to do in that respect. Um, so, so thank you for sharing that. And, uh, you know, and that comes from experience. So for anyone who's looking to start, just, just do it and, and figure it out along the way because it's, it is such a personal journey and, you know, just check every now and then that the sails are still running, the engine's still moving and, the rudder is still pointing in the right direction, and uh, and yeah, you'll you'll end up falling in love with the process. So so, where can people find you? And if people want to get in contact with you or ask you any more questions, uh, what's the best place for them to you know start doing that? Uh, I um, I'm on Facebook, um, and I'm also on Instagram and Flickr. I, I don't have a huge following, so to speak, because I'm not really like you know in the fitness or keto community. From that respect, I'm more of, a, of an observer. Um, but I do, I'm, I am on Instagram at, um, Telecron is my profile and I post pictures from my traveling and, and, and all the steak I eat because that's <laughs> one of my favorite things. Uh, I'm <laughs> Flickr as well. Um, you can find me on there, um, where I post a lot more of my photos because Flickr is just photos and I just have all my travel photos up there. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, I'll link those in the show notes for anyone who wants to get on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, check out some of your travel photos. Uh, it's been such a pleasure interviewing you and, um, and you know, it's, it's so great to hear 
such um, good advice coming from someone who has has had so much experience so so i really want to thank you and and thank you for taking the time um to do this today because you know uh it, it just it really means the world to me and it means the world to everyone who is involved in this podcast and listening to this um so yeah i i really can't thank you enough yeah no i just want to um i think it's a community and i just want to help the community grow um and i think we need we need people we need the danny vegas of the world we do need the robert sykes of the world because they're just such they have a lot of influence and i really i really look up to those guys but we also need to hear from like the average the every man i think too because um you know that way you know those guys are some of the elite bodybuilders and athletes in the community but keto is for 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 everybody it's for dads like keto dad you know it's for it's for moms it's for it's for office workers it's for everybody you know it can change their lives and so i think the more we hear everyone's stories the more it give people um inspiration to achieve their goals oh that's so powerful yes <laughs> i totally agree and uh yeah so thank you so much again and uh, i hope to chat to you soon yeah you too thank you so much for listening if you loved this podcast make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives if you could do one small act of kindness for today i would greatly appreciate a review from you it's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.